All right. Can we guys, can you guys turn to Mark 1? I'm going to continue on in the, my study of Mark just to get you guys going in the Bible studies that we're doing at home groups, which Frank is here. He's starting to, Frank, you're here? He, he's getting, he's going to get that going. I don't want to put any pressure on him, but just, but just keeping him accountable. So, Mark 1. Verse 9, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And we talked about that last week. Immediately. So when you read Mark, um, you'll, hear, you'll, you'll see the word immediately quite often. Mark is probably the source code, code for Matthew, Luke. John is something else. He wrote his perspective on his relationship with Jesus. And so these are all biographies. It, just because they're different doesn't mean it's contradictory. It's just a bi biography of people um, writing things that they knew of and their interactions with Christ. Put it all together, we have the totality of, of the narrative of Jesus. But Mark is the most succinct, kind of like the skeleton from which Mark, uh, Matthew, and Luke built upon, and they added Matthew more of a Jewish perspective, Luke more of the Greek perspective for the Gentile reader, Matthew for the Jewish reader. Everybody, everybody understand? So in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out from heaven, you are my beloved son and you, I am well pleased. Immediately the spirit compelled him to go out into the wilderness, the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. So we, that ends there. So one of the ways to read the Gospels uh, is to go to the other sources and, and see if they elaborated on it. So we see that in Matthew 4, this temptation is elaborated. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he, was, after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Just to let you know, 40 days and 40 nights is probably the distance uh, after, the, after the Israelites got rescued from slavery, under, got baptized in the Red Sea, so to speak, as a metaphor, and went in the desert. The distance between... Egypt, the Red Sea, and the Palestine, Jerusalem, was about 40 days. How many of you guys know they wandered for 40 years? So Jesus is kind of representing a nation going through the desert and doing it properly this time. 40 days and 40 nights, and he, did, he then became hungry. And a tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Everybody say, if. 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 But he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Everybody say, if. if. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their heads... They will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, 
On the other hand, it is also written, you shall not put the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him. And then the angels came and ministered to him, presumably with food. Hallelujah. Food's good. Amen. When we read the Lord's Prayer, it says, Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom. That word uh, in the Greek is... The word for evil in general in the Greek could be poneron, which is just general evil. But when we're talking about that word in that passage... And the passage that we read, it's actually translated ponero, the evil one, because the Greek word is poneros. Poneron is just evil, general, like this force of evil, darkness. Um, it's very specific. The Bible talks about the evil one. I think we really need to understand that we're not dealing with, I mean, we talked about in foundations class, we're talking about evil in general and just this darkness, this evil force. We need to be very clear. The Bible does not allow us to speak of evil as a just general force. It's a general, yes, just general evil out there, but there is a, there is a source of evil. The source of evil is the evil one. Everybody agree? There is a one that's coming to destroy you. It's not just random, just general evil. We're just walking through pollution and we get polluted. Though that also encompasses evil in general, but there is a source code. There is an evil one. And the evil one cannot operate without our agreement. It's from Genesis to Revelation. It's very clear the evil one and his minions, because the evil one is not God. Is not, he's not omnipotent, omniscient, or omnipresent. That's what makes God, God. He's not everywhere at the same time. He doesn't know all things. So you shouldn't be telling him secrets about your life, confessing it. That's why the Bible talks about confession. You shouldn't be confessing things so that demonic spirits can hear what you're saying and then strategize plans to destroy your life. The evil one unleashes evil with our agreement. Whether you willingly did it or unwillingly out of ignorance, it, it unleashes evil or destruction in your life because you willingly agree to it. Whether you knew it or you didn't know it out of ignorance or volition. Amen? We're talking about, people were talking in foundations class like the sovereignty of God. Doesn't everything just happen by nature? And we don't, 
I mean, it just naturally everything will work out and God knows all things. And we, everybody goes to that um, argument all the time. But the, although, although God knows all things, there is a mystery to God, nature of God that I can't fully understand with my finite mind. And there's a level of faith that I need to have that God knows all things and yet he is good. This is something that I need to grapple. So what we're doing in foundations class is to kind of uproot some of the things you believe and kind of lay it out there like puzzle pieces and put the puzzle together so you have a systematic structure of what your belief. It doesn't mean that it answers every question. It just means that you have a structure systematically to understand the nature of God, who he is. But I just wanted to go back to this idea of evil needing our agreement. That the enemy cannot unleash evil without some kind of human agency. We see that in Genesis. We see that in the temptation of Jesus. That the enemy cannot do anything to Christ unless Christ volitionally agrees with the deceptive practices of the evil one. Everybody following what I'm trying to say? So, I'll give you an example. My mother's in the hospital right now. So, uh, it's so cute. When I went to the hospital, she was like praying. She's always praying. Oh, Jesus. It's, it's really funny how they, they come as a baby and they... I'm not saying she's going to pass away, but... Like towards the end of her life, she's like praying like, like a baby. I just want to thank you, Lord. And she, she didn't, she's not wearing her dentures, so she like has a little lisp. I just want to thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, so much. I'm listening to it in Korean, so I'm just kind of peeking through the curtain. And she's just praying, hallelujah, I just love you, hallelujah. Jesus, take me home now, take me home now. <laughs> That's what she's praying. I just want to go to heaven. Heaven is such a blessing. Thank you for my son and my daughter and my grandchildren, Jackery and Isabel. And yeah, just like this, keep over and praying. So I just see her. Um, she actually has a fractured vertebrae. She has osteoporosis, um, arthritis, dementia. I think that's, I don't have to name everything. She has got a lot of issues in her body. And some people ask, like, some people ask me, well, she followed Jesus all her life. Why is this happening to her? Your dad loved Christ. How come he has cancer, stomach cancer, and just died within three months? Um, I said, there's, there's a mystery to the nature of God. I don't know. He could heal, but he chose not to. And so they're in heaven. They're in a better place. But it, it speaks to our interplay, our cooperation, when it comes to things that happen in our lives. There is like the sovereign will of God, but there's something that we're doing that contributes to that. You know, my mom never exercised one time in her life. <laughs> in the living room, I think my dad got these little weights one time, I remember. He got this, but he's just trying to do it. He said, come on, come on, honey, let's do it. And I saw them in the living room. My mom went like, one time. Ah, no. <laughs> then she went back to eating like donuts. And 
She never ate proper food. She was working, and she ate like Korean donuts. That's her meals, and coffee, and milk. And, and then she did some other things. I don't want to... She did some of this, and <laughs> some of this, and a lot, of, a lot of this, and no exercising. And, amen. and she prayed, and she worshiped the Lord. Yes, she did all that, but it's just like... There was something that she did that contributed to where she's at, though it's sovereignly going to be taken care of by the Lord. Does this make sense to you? There, there, there's a perfect will of God, but there's something that we're doing that's, that we can't completely understand everything, but we can, we can understand that in our micro level, what we're doing right now contributes to our lives. And it would be foolish of me to think so high and try to answer the mysterious things of God, maybe just leave that to faith and know that, hey, you know what? I'm going to try to obey God the best I can. And if something happens beyond that capacity, even though I did everything perfect and something happens to me, I'm going to trust the Lord and say, it's all good. Amen? I don't want to live my life with regrets. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Amen? You guys understand what I'm trying to say. When I had some diagnosis in my intestines three years ago, I'm like, oh, maybe it's the will of God. No, it happened. Sovereignly, God knows. But you know what? It's not God's will that I get sick. Praise the Lord. So what did I do? I woke up five in the morning, exercised like two hours every day, worked out. I would have probably been as big as Tyler by now. I mean, at that time, I was getting pretty jacked up. Just... <laughs> Being compete, I would have been competing with Matt and Tyler. Right now, I'm just I'm like nothing. It's just a very skinny old man. But I was working out. I was jogging. People during COVID was like drinking and eating. And I'm like, forget that. I'm just exercising, running. I ran from my house, Falls Creek Olympic, Olympic Village, all the way to Stanley Park. And I just kept going. And my wife is like, where are you going? Can you stop? I'm like, I'm just going to go. I'm like Forrest Gump. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Keep going until I can't go no more. She's like, well, I'm not going to go anymore. So I'm a good husband. So I went back and then I think, did we take a taxi back or something? <laughs> because it wasn't, it wasn't well planned out. It was just, it should be circular. Amen. You get back home. I just kept running like Forrest Gump. I could have probably went to West Vancouver. But what am I trying to say? I'm, I, know the, I know there's a will of God. God sent Jesus to the desert. There's this will. He doesn't know. It's not, I, we don't really know perfectly. We know in retrospect, but there is something that we're doing that's contributing to our wellness, our well-being, or our, dis, our destruction. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to just lay that out there. So, the second question is, why does God allow these testings and temptations? Why did Jesus get led into the desert? It wasn't the enemy came to him. It wasn't that the evil one came to him. It was that the Holy Spirit led him to the desert. Why do we get tested and tried in our lives? Um, I'm not going to say every temptation is this way, but many temptations or testing is for your growth. It's for you to overcome so you can go to the next obstacle so that you can overcome. Then you go to the next obstacle so you can overcome. And every time you overcome, you overcame so that others can overcome with you. 
Because this life, if you think it's just about you, then it's the, the perseverance or the resilience to resist trials and temptations in your life gets much more harder because it's like, why is this happening to me? But when you understand that this is happening to me for others, then you understand there's greater meaning to these trials and temptations. Does this make sense? There's something that's happening that I don't understand, but while I'm going through it, I have to believe that, that there's something greater that's happening. God is an omniscient God, and He is the mastermind, and there's something happening that I have to go through this for all these other things to happen. He knows all things all at the same time. He's infinite God. He's omniscient. He knows the past, present, and future at the same time, and I can't fathom that, but I do know I have to go through this for some greater purpose. Does that make sense? The Israelites were tested to be entrusted. They were in the desert. They were tested to be entrusted for the promises that were ahead in the promised land. How many guys know God loves you? That's not going to change. It's like my students. I told them in my grad class this week. I said, everyone has an A+. They automatically clapped. First class, and went, A+. They're like, you're the best professor. I said, just keep it. Keep that A+. They're like, how do we keep it? Do your assignments. This is a trick. No, no, you have an A+. Just don't lose it. Amen? So we can lose it. Yes, you can lose it by not doing anything. It's better than trying to earn it. You got it already. Just keep it. You're clean. Just keep, just be clean. Amen. How many of you guys know sometimes when I teach class, I almost say amen sometimes? <laughs> Talking about organizational behavior, I'll talk about it and go, amen. I'm like, oh, what the hell? I have to stop myself. So, um, it's not like that. God's love is like, yeah, He loves you, but then I could lose it if I don't do well and I sin and I disobey. I could lose it. No, no. God's love is forever constant for your life. It cannot change because He cannot change Himself. Did you understand? It's like my kids, for my, the love for my kids cannot change. No matter, how, no matter how many things, dumb things that Zachary did when he was a kid. <laughs> he just, he just, I don't want to pick up my son, but he, he did some dumb things. I, I, you know, every kid does dumb things. And I look at him, I'm like, why? 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 Why, son? I don't know. I don't know I did that. You do know. I don't know. I don't want to tell you. I don't know. I'm a bad boy. I'm a bad boy. I'm like, that, that's not going to make it better, son. But I still, how many of you guys know I love him perfectly? But it doesn't mean that I am obligated to trust him. <laughs> I can love him and not trust him. Amen? It would be stupid of me as an adult, as a father, to trust him with things that he cannot be entrusted with. Wow, that's good. that was good. Because a lot of times you guys equate love with trust. I love you, so I trust you. And it doesn't work that way. 
You can love somebody and not trust them. Amen? If, uh, if you're dating somebody and that, that you're, the person you're dating messes up, then they've eroded their trust. So now they have to earn their trust back. You can still love them, but you don't trust them anymore. Does that make sense? My wife's lost trust in me many times because I told her I'm going to do things. I didn't do it. Doesn't, does that mean she doesn't love me? She loves me. She loves me to death, right, honey? You love me. <laughs> You love me with a passion, right, honey? Right? <laughs> she loves me with a passion, right? But when I don't do what I said, she doesn't trust me. She's like, I don't trust you. I don't trust the words coming out of your mouth. Like, oh. Does that mean she doesn't love me? No, she loves me, but she doesn't trust me. How many guys know God loves you, but he doesn't trust you because you can't be entrusted with the things of God? And trials are there for you to prove to him that you can be trusted. The desert is a place where you go through things, where you don't have things, you don't have lack, but there's, God still is preserving you, and you're going through a hard time, and it's like a seed in the dry bed of the desert. You go through the crack of the desert, and you go deep down to get water, and you flourish when the rain comes. That's faith. Faith is not when everything's going well for you and you go, I love Jesus. That is the byproduct of worshiping God. That just comes with it. But true faith happens during the trials. Can you go dig deep down and go, I'm going to find that deep well of water that never, never dries up. I'm going to go deep down there and I'm going to be rooted in that. So even in the desert, I'll flourish. That's when the Lord says, I can trust you. I can trust you. And now you go to the promised land, and then you destroy the enemies, and you acquire things, and I can entrust you with things and resources so that you can bless, so that you can be a blessing. Amen? Amen. That's, when, you're not, when you don't have money and you're poor, it doesn't mean that God, that's the lot for your life. It means that God wants to know if he can trust you in lack so that you can be trusted in plenty. Amen? Amen. So, so we're going to have to go through these trials. This is part of Christianity, part of Christian walk. Yeah. I don't know if you signed up for that contract. It's not fine print. It's very clear in the Bible. Big letters. Way of the cross. Through trials. Jesus, before he went to the cross, he said, Father, can you take this away from me? Is there another way? That's what Jesus said. Because he laid down his divinity and he didn't know everything perfectly, but he just knew he had to do that. But he said, wow, going through that is going to be difficult. He wasn't worried about the pain. How many guys know he wasn't scared of the pain and the suffering physically? He was more concerned about the weight of sin coming upon him and what that's going to feel like. You know when you feel depressed and worried and anxious and sad and when somebody, when some suffering happens and you just feel that, it's just, it's like, it's like a visceral reaction. You feel sick to your stomach. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And your heart sinks and you're sick to your stomach and you feel, and then there's shame and guilt. You did something wrong. There's all this forces of darkness. You feel despairing, hopeless. 
All those things, that's the way, that's the consequence of sin. Now, Jesus felt that for all the humanity, past, present, and future. All at once. Now, we, we suffer when we just go through something in our lives. Oh, this is so hard. Jesus suffered it for all of humanity on the cross. That's where we can trust him. Amen? We're going to have to go through that. That's the Via Dolorosa, the way of the cross. Okay, how to defeat the... Just go to the second. Stop circling your mountain. People are like, what? Is, what? Um... I should have said, stop circling the desert. Stop circling your mountain. You know how many guys know that God is, a, is a, just a, is a kind, compassionate, gracious God? If you fail that test, he's going to keep giving you the same test. See, I'm not compassionate, professor. You fail that test, sorry. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? I have students. I, have, I don't know how these students... <laughs> Some of them went to grad school. They're in grad school, and they're like, oh, I didn't know the assignment parameters. And like, it's called the rubric. I posted it. And then I also talked about it. Were you in class? Yes, yes, yes. Were you listening? Yes, yes, yes. So there's no excuse. Can I write it again? No. So I got 40? Yes. But I need at least a B plus to graduate. I'm sorry. How many of you guys think I'm harsh? But fair, that's fair. Amen? God is fair, but yet also he's merciful. The amazing thing about God is that he'll let you go through the test over. Oh, you failed? Okay. Here, do it again. Oh, oh you, you failed? You, just do it again. You lied again? Okay, here's another opportunity not to lie. Oh, you did it again. Oh, here's an op- another opportunity to tell the truth. Oh, you did it again. You just, oh my gosh. You can, he can do that till the rest of his life. And if he doesn't pass that, he can't go on to the another level of being trusted with secrets and revelation. Do you understand? I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. We, we go through the same test over and over again, we don't understand the magnitude of the things that we're going through. It's not like God is testing us to like chastise us. He's testing us so that we can pass and go on to the next greater revelation, greater revelation, greater resources. Amen? Amen. Stop circling the desert. God's going to revisit it. You know, when we talk about can we go to the next diagram? When we talk about Jesus, this is in the, in the desert, being tempted, it's the great restoration. See, Garden of Eden, Genesis 1, it was heaven on earth. Adam and Eve were tempted. Or Adam, Genesis 1, humanity was tempted. You guys following? But they disobeyed and they allowed they, Adam was the champion. It's like David representing the whole nation and defeating Goliath, the enemy. And then if he won against Goliath, the whole nation won. The, Adam was the champion. He represented all of humanity. And then he 
disobeyed. And so all of humanity was represented with him. That's the Genesis narrative. And so we went on a big downward spiral, and then earth became no longer paradise, but the desert, hell on earth. So the second Adam, Jesus, who, rep- who is now our, again, David, or the champion representing all of us, now he's encountering the enemy, not in paradise, but in desert, hell on earth. And in that place, instead of what Adam did, he perfectly obeyed the Lord, and then now we're in the great reversal bringing heaven back to earth and restoring all things to as it should be. Does this make sense? Why am I telling you this? God is like, God never forgets. He's going to restore all things back to its original plan. He's going to revisit the things in your life that the enemy stole, he's going to say, I'm coming back to that. God is like, in a weird way, I don't, want to, I don't want people to get this wrong, but if the mafia could be redeemed, without all the killing and the drugs and all that, if the mafia, the one thing about the mafia is that they never forget you. If, they, if you mess them up, they'll be like, you think they forgot, but five years later, they come back. Oh, you remember when you did this? I'm coming back for you. Knock, knock. Do you understand? God, it's a weird analogy, but I'm just saying. God never forgets. He's like in the evil one. You, you messed up my hum- humanity, agreed with you, and unleashed all this. And there's like responsibility on both parts. But you know what? I'm going to cope. I'm not going to forget that. I'm going to go right back to that. I'm going to bring my son and I'm going to restore it back to the original plan. He's not going to just skip, you know what, scrap that plan, a new plan. He said the original plan still works and the original rest, the place and the, and the purposes of what I intended is going to come back to its original and everything is going to happen as it should. Amen? That's the good news. God is the great restorer. How many guys know he doesn't fix anything? He restores things. When you fix something, it's never good as the original. I had a car that I broke down. That broke down. I got into an accident. I should be honest. <laughs> I got into a major accident, and then the front got crushed, and then I tried to fix it, and I, tried, I cheaped out. I didn't have any money when I first came to Vancouver. That was my fourth accident in Vancouver with that Toyota Camry. I must have had a lot on my mind, or I didn't know how to drive in the rain from sunny California. So I had four accidents. The last accident I had, the people felt so sorry for me. They prayed for me over the, on the street and said, don't worry about that. Because I must have looked so sad. I hit another car, and the guy came out and said, what's wrong? What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm so stressed out. And I have two other jobs. And then he said, oh, we're Christians too. You know what? We feel you. Let's pray. We're in the rain, and we're praying on the street. It, like, 
wrecked his bumper. My car is wrecked, praying on the streets. He said, God bless you. And then he started like praying over me and then said, go on your way. Let the Lord bless you. Don't you want to exchange ICBC? No. Be blessed. I'm like, are you angels? Sent down to bless me? I said, finally, I just had some hope. But there was a couple accidents that was really bad. Went to the garage. And then my car was never the same again. It was always like a clicking sound. You know, like you drive it, and there's like a, when you turn the wheel, there's like a, and I said, this is not right. But I have no money. I can't fix it. Forget it. My kids are in the, Zach's in the car. He didn't, he didn't care. He's like, ah, oh, whatever. So we're just fixing it. Restoration is not like fixing something. Restoration means that uh, it's like restoring the Sistine Chapel. It's dust everywhere. You can't see it clearly. But you just have to wipe off the dust. And the original is always there. When God comes to your life, he's not fixing things. or he's trying. And if he can't fix it, he's not going to get rid of it. He's going to say, he's, what he's trying to do is going to put you, put you back to its original purpose. And state, and he's going to come back to it. And everything that the enemy stole from you, everything that's happening in your life in the past that has been destroyed, somehow he's going to bring it all back, and he's going to come full circle. And either you're going to have to deal with it, or he's going to restore it somehow. Does this make sense? That is the, that's why I love the Lord. That's why he's the God of the redo. And then when you keep circling your mountain, it's like, it's not God is not punishing you. He's saying, come on, let's do this again so that you can restore this. You can restore it, and then you can move on, and you can go higher. You can keep wandering, or you can pass these tests and go to the next level. How many guys want to go to the next level? How many guys want to keep... Failing the same test over and over and over again and dating the wrong people over and over and over again. And people keep telling you, why you stop, why you keep dating these really weird dudes? And then you keep messing up and you keep, and then you wonder why and you don't listen and you don't, you don't, you just keep doing the same thing. And it's not, and then you wonder, why did God do this to me? God didn't do that to you. You did it to yourself. You chose that yourself. The Lord is trying to give you a revelation. <laughs> Pass this test. And you get a good-looking guy coming in front of you with the same weird issues. And then you can't see it because all you care about is good looks. Even though you say, I love Jesus. Or even though you're like, I just want a Christian man. And you get a good-looking guy. Maybe he's not, maybe we don't know, but you're like, no, no, he got all these good qualities, but all you care about is like, he's rich and good looking, and you keep doing the same thing, and he messes with you, and he cheats on you, and you're like, why did God do this to me? God did no such thing. You did that to yourself. What God is doing is putting that person in front of you so you can... No, not this time. That's what God is doing. He puts that person in front of you so that you can pass that test. Not this time. You got no money? 
You keep spending money and you're in debt. You keep spending money you don't have. And then you say, why am I, am I broke? Why God, why God did you do this? God didn't know such thing. You did that to yourself. But he keeps, he, your friends go, let's go to the mall. And he's testing you. <laughs> They're eating all this good food. You got no money. What you're supposed to do is drink some water. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to be doing. You got, these are funny examples. I think I'm speaking to some people. <laughs> you, keep, you keep failing the same thing over and over again, and you're blaming the Lord when you have to take some responsibility for your life. God doesn't forget because he wants you to defeat the enemy. He wants you to defeat the evil one and his minions that are coming to destroy your life. When are you going to just, I'm going to pass this test in February. I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. I'm finally going to pass this. We all got to face it. Jacob had to face Esau. Joseph had to face his brothers. His brothers had to face Joseph. The, the brothers tried to kill Joseph. And the Lord's like, uh, brothers, you're going to have to go face your brother that you try to kill. Not to shame you, but to restore that relationship. Do you understand? The brothers didn't come and go, Oh, shoot. Then Joseph didn't, go, didn't get up and go, you try to kill me. Now you guys go in prison. Shame on you. Look at me. I'm king. You nothing. He didn't do that. He said, restored that relationship. Jacob had to face his brother Esau, which he stole the blessing from, to restore that relationship. <sighs> Moses had to go back to Egypt the place of his greatest failure. It's not because God wants to shame him. It's God said, you failed, but I want you to pass this time. Because a nation is waiting for you. I mean, you guys know nations are waiting for you. You guys okay? You got five more minutes? Let's do the next slide. These are the temptations that Jesus faced. <laughs> you like that? Not very pretty, but I, should, I, I think you should take a screenshot of this. I, I could write a book on this. <sighs> it says here, the first temptation that Jesus faced is questioning the nature of God. If he's a good father, if he is your father, why is he allowing you to suffer without food and suffering? That's the desert, isn't it? If he's a good father, why am I suffering? Why am I going through trials? It's to question the nature of God. 
And so when you, to, when you fail that test, it's always like, you know what? Forget God. I'll do it myself. The devil tempted Jesus with, you know, forget this whole thing. You got power. Why don't you take back your divinity and turn these stones into bread? You could eat right now. What's, why, what is holding you back from just taking control over your life? That is the root of all sin. The desire to take independence and control over your life. And the futility of that is you begin to quickly realize that you have no control. Fully. Ultimately, God is in control, and then it leads you to despair. Because you know you're working, you're working, you're working. Yes, you've got some responsibility to do it, but it's in partnership with God. But without God, you're all by yourself. And living your life in liberty, thinking that you can do whatever you want, leads you down a path of complete despair. Because freedom is not liberty. Freedom is giving control to the Lord and living in partnership with Him. What do you want me to do? Because you're giving the burden of controlling your life to someone who is greater than you. Amen? And the second one, to question his truth. Did God really say that? I, hear, I read somewhere it says this. How many guys know most people who don't want to follow God pick, pick apart things from the Bible and go, didn't the Bible say this? It contradicts this. That Bible says this uh, because they don't know the nature of God. They don't know the whole counsel of God. Did he really say That's what they did in the garden. In the garden is to question his truth so that you can live in liberty without guilt. It's to question the nature of God. Is he a good God? Am I truly his son? If I was his son, why is this happening to me? Is he truly good? Okay, maybe I am his son, but I still want to do what I want. So, But the Bible really say that? Do I have to do that? Do I... You guys following what I'm saying? That's what people do. And that will quickly lead you into deception. You may follow God and you may call yourself a Christian, but you can be completely deceived because you question the truth of God and you're led by God and you're led by truth. You know, the Bible is like, the Bible is like you're balancing the Bible. You guys know balancing? You go where it goes. Well, that's pretty good balance, actually. You know what I mean? Like, you go where it goes. It, It controls you. You just, wherever it goes, you just follow. It masters you. Like you, you. This is how you, the word, the truth, you're led by the truth. You guys, is this making any sense? To, am I just looking all stupid for no reason? 
Is this making sense to you? Yes? Yeah. Yeah. The Bible, this is what one of my seminary professors did. The Bible leads you. <laughs> I still remember. I'm like, oh, yes. You don't carry the Bible with you. Come, come along. And I'll just read whatever I want to read. Whatever it says, whatever I like, I'll read it. Ooh, let's see what I like. Yes, that says good. Bless me. Okay, I'll read that one. Okay. For, oh, carry the cross. Forget that one. I'll read that one. In this world, you have trouble. No, no, there must be out of context. Something. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? You read the whole counsel of God. And that's the only way you can know the nature of God. And the last thing is question his way. Do I have to do it this way? Do I have to? The devil's like, you don't really have to. You can get exactly what you want, and all you have to do is worship me. The devil is tempting Jesus with like, there's another way. There's another way. You don't really have to. You can get all that you want without God. And that's how, that's what God said to Israel. He said, you know, these guys are so hard-headed. I'm going to give them everything they want, but I'm not going to go with them. And Moses, that's why he became the friend of God. We don't care about all of that. Those are just, if it happens, it doesn't happen, but we just want you. Who cares if we get all these things and then people don't know where it came from? Even if we have to go through the desert and we go through trials, I just want you. And that's what Moses said. I want to go the way that you laid it out for me. Even if it's through the desert, through obstacles, through trials, through testing, I trust you and I know all those things will be worked out for my good. Because if you don't want to follow his way, the thing that will happen to you, you will instantly lead you into idolatry. Worshipping something else. Idolatry is giving worth to something else. You don't have to worship another God. You can worship the things that you want above God. He will lead you to quickly lead a life of destruction. Does this make sense? This is the root. Can you go to the next slide? This is the root of all sin. Nature, truth, way, if, what, why. Why do I have to do this? What is truth anyway? If God is good, these are the things that cause us to do whatever we want to do. Don't you think Jesus, if he was going to be tempted, he would be tempted by the big guns? You think Jesus is going to be tempted by, hey, you want to watch porn? Hey, you want to go and uh, you want to go and eat bad food? <laughs> you think he's going to be tempted by these things? Hey, you want to you want to cheat on our taxes? No, if he's going to be tempted, he's going to be tempted by the things that's going to affect all of us for all of eternity, all of our existence on earth. It's the big guns, it's the bazooka, it's the cannon. He overcame the big guns. And we have to understand that everything that we do against the will of God is rooted in if he is good. 
am I, try, am I truly his son or daughter? Is he really my father? That the truth, did he really say that? Do I have to? Do I have to go that way? Is there another way? Can I escape this? Amen?